We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Tuesday version of the RotoWire NFL podcast sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Bartle. Yes, that's the same voice you heard yesterday when I was talking with Jeff Erickson, but this is my hometown. This is my land. This is my Tuesday <laughs> podcast, and I'll be sharing this platform with my partner for the rest of the NFL season, Jake Latarski. Joe, very happy to be doing the show with you. I'm excited for a year. Uh, during the regular season, we're going to be talking about free agents, the fantasy waiver wire. This is a show that I've been doing for about the last five years. And uh, hopefully you've been getting some decent advice. But during the season, we're going to try to run down pretty much all the targets worth looking at, throw out some suggested fab bids, uh, go position by position and and help you from the shallowest to the deepest of leagues. And we'll go percent ownership and do all that stuff there. But we've got a few episodes to fill before the start of the regular season. I know you and I are both a fan of auctions. So today we're going to run down some general auction draft strategy tips and uh, different factors to consider going into and during your auction. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And specifically the the pickups and starts. I've been a longtime listener, first time talker with you yes. on those Tuesday podcasts. So it's going to be fun to be able to do this throughout the year. And of course, RotoWire has got an extensive NFL lineup set for podcasts at Wednesday or tomorrow. It's going to be Jeff Erickson and Brad Evans. He'll be kind of doing a, a roulette style of different guests they'll be hosting the Wednesday show. And Thursday, Friday, we'll also have some DFS related stuff when it gets closer to the season. But you talked about our main focus for today will be about the auction strategy and kind of, I know we both like that format, the stake league auction in particular is the biggest deal at RotoWire, so mm-hmm. we'll have some experience discussing that, but we'll be kind of taking into account uh, Dynasty and Keeper formats as well. Mm-hmm. Before we get to that, though, there was a little bit of fantasy news that came out. Uh, obviously, we're still waiting for training camp to start, so there's not a lot that's being discussed, but we have some contract negotiations. Yesterday, I spent, I felt like, the majority of the time with Jeff talking about Melvin Gordon and his contract status. Well, lo and behold, we have a second running back, top-tier running back, that is kind of maybe debating. Ezekiel Elliott has discussed potentially weighing his options for a holdout. Another top running back, like I said, with Melvin Gordon, 
Zeke Elliott, both guys now they're debating what their financial ramifications will be playing this season. Are you at all concerned about mm-hmm. taking Zeke Elliott among the first three picks with this uh, news coming out? Yeah, Melvin Gordon, Zeke Elliott, these are first round picks, so it's not just kind of podcast fodder for us to kill time. This is this is actual news. Um, am I concerned? Not quite yet. He's still kind of weighing his options, hasn't made a final decision. If he still hasn't showed up for camp and it's two weeks into the preseason, then sure, yeah, I'll be a little bit concerned. But Ezekiel Elliott, even more so than than Melvin Gordon, he's a guy that is on a lot of uh, analysts' draft boards as number one over Saquon Barkley. You know, he's got a, a little bit better of a safer offensive setup. You know, Saquon Barkley could be hurt by inconsistent quarterback play and just a, a poor scheme overall. Um, but... You know, so you could get Ezekiel Elliott number one if you wanted to, but that makes things, it's very interesting where things are going right now. I checked out the average draft position on the NFFC. Um, that's a full PPR league, so Christian McCaffrey was ahead of Zeke by a little bit for that number two spot. It goes Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott. Um, if you look from February until now, Zeke was about a half a spot behind Christian McCaffrey. If you look from the start of July until now, it looks like that's been reacting a little bit because Zeke is a full pick. Um, in terms of ADP behind Christian McCaffrey, and he's about to get passed up by Alvin Kamara. So the, the market is actually reacting to this. Do I think that's smart? Not necessarily. I think it's too early and we need to hold out for more information. I think they're probably also reacting from his little shove with that security guard in uh, Las Vegas show, mm-hmm. whatever that was. And I know that uh, we've had Mario and John talk extensively throughout the summer about that suspension or possible suspension and how the NFL owners seem to hate Jerry Jones in general. So it was possible that's kind of subsided. There isn't any talk about him getting suspended for that altercation. Now this so much is kind of, uh, we have to look at Dak Prescott's contract and Amari Cooper as two guys that the Cowboys probably need to resign prior to worrying about mm-hmm. Zeke's contract. And it's a situation where that team has had money issues, it feels like, for the last couple of years and really have now started to climb out of that. And oh, now they have to pay their quarterback $100 million. Exactly. And possibly Amari Cooper, too, yeah. if they traded a first-round pick last year. Yeah, that's year. the way this league is built. you got to take care of your quarterback before running backs. That's just how it is. You know, It's the same refrain that you've probably heard from any other show the devaluation of running backs and you know you got to max out these guys while they're we get I'm, I'm so used to baseball right now i'm shifting gears that team control <laughs> that rookie contract uh where, where they're ready to go so um yeah i'd watch the situation would this stop me from taking zeke elliott number two overall if i drafted today absolutely not no. um that's how that's how i think of this so until there's more information until the situation changes until it gets to the preseason and he still hasn't showed um maybe we'll update you then but for now it's this is a non-factor for me yeah i agree with you i said the same thing about melvin Gordon yesterday, and I'll say the same thing about Ezekiel Elliott today. It's a little bit too early in the NFL season to be worried about whether contract negotiations and holdouts are going to be occurring. Talk to me again in three weeks during the training camp, and then we can have that discussion. Mm-hmm. Alex Collins, though, uh, a guy that has not got a contract throughout the offseason, was sort of this uh, running back, I think, for Baltimore specifically last year, but even the year before, that a lot of people pegged as a breakout candidate. That never occurred in 2018. He suffered a broken leg uh, during the offseason and had surgery to repair that. Again, without a contract currently, I don't know how many people really have a lot of shares of Alex Collins right now, but this certainly has to quell any sort of excitement for that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to dig up his ADP right now. It's it's pretty <laughs> it's, non-existent. It's, zero. it's at the very yeah, bottom. You exactly. Can't find yeah. It. Yeah. We don't even have it. Um. Yeah. He's a guy that we thought last year would uh, he would benefit from maybe getting some Lamar Jackson in there at quarterback. More running lanes opened up for him with the rushing quarterback. Obviously, he lost his job before that even happened. So uh, <laughs> uh, again, he's in. We're just running through news and notes. Uh, yes, Alex Collins broke his leg. Take him off your draft boards. Zero out his projections if you haven't done so yet. Yeah. If he wasn't already off your draft boards before, now certainly is. And another guy that. I've also taken off my draft boards what it feels like for the last four years, but others, specifically a few people in RotoWire, and I won't mention names, but you know who they are. Martavis Bryant applies for reinstatement, uh, was supposed to be maybe, maybe you can call him a breakout candidate for the Raiders last year. That never came to be in his eight games with the team. He's also currently a free agent. He's also coming off a knee injury as well. To me, I'm not worried at all about whether he signs or if he even plays this season. I've also been staying away from a guy like Josh Gordon. I have now for years, and it's for the most part benefited me. Do you feel any sort of uh, need to be interested in a guy like Martavis Bryant? No, not really. Um, I mean, we've got him somehow in our we got him as our number 137 wide receiver so unless you're in one of those 20 team leagues uh 
again, he's off your draft board as well. Uh, one of these days, the NFL will wise up with guys like you know Bryant and Josh Gordon. I, I would like to see some kind of pardon. I don't know if it'll happen, but uh, you know maybe they'll realize that weed's a whole lot less dangerous than uh, some of the painkillers they're dishing out. But that's a whole other show in itself. Oh, uh, God, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, Martavis Bryant not on my draft board for now. You know maybe he'll be reinstated. He might be a guy that we talk about. I don't know, say around week eight or nine, uh, if the Patriots decide they need some help, if something happens with Josh Gordon, there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams. And I think Martavis Bryant could help, but who knows what the state of, his, I mean, his life is even right now. If he's applying for reinstatement, you assume it's heading in the right direction. But again, not a guy on the draft boards that we need to spend a ton of time discussing. He's actually a perfect candidate for this show where we're going to be talking a lot about add and drop players on Tuesdays following the end of the week. I don't think it really matters right now in our first podcast of the NFL season, but you're right. He probably is a name that's going to surface uh, towards the middle of the season. Before we get to the auction draft strategy itself, and we have a lot of different components that I'm excited to talk about, let's first get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo DFS. It's officially July, which means football season is around the corner, and Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get into the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit, uh, st- tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. That's definitely my favorite part. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish at all? Free Best Ball Leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players you want before the season starts can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season you can draft up to 50 best ball teams i'm particularly excited about that part play for free or pay play for cash but most importantly get to drafting with yahoo fantasy best ball join a league today at sports.yahoo.com slash best ball again that's sports.yahoo.com slash best ball coming soon to the yahoo fantasy app all right jake i was teasing before the commercial Let's get to this auction dra- auctions draft strategies itself. Like I- I'm excited to kind of go over it, and you have probably a little bit more experience than I do. We have the famous, I feel like, uh, Rotowire Fantasy Stake League draft, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the most important thing around the office in particular. I've done a few different auto new uh, dynasty sort of formats, but nothing specifically auction related. Still, this is by far my favorite draft strategy, uh, or at least fantasy football strategy overall. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of curious to uh, curious to hear why you like auction so much too. Yeah, absolutely. So personal experience do a couple a year. One of them is a, a keeper league. I wouldn't call it a dynasty because there's only two keepers. There's a lot of interesting calculation strategy in that we'll get to later on. You mentioned our 14 team stake league is an auction as well. Auctions are superior for a lot of reasons. You're not stuck and or limited by your draft position if you draft ninth overall guess what you can wave Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott goodbye, but in an auction, you can get your guy. Same thing. Let's say you're drafting 9-10 overall. You probably don't want to take Aaron Jones at the turn there, but the chances of him coming back to you are pretty slim. But you can combine those types of players and those types of strategy in an auction. I know it's oftentimes a tough thing to convince your league mates um, because it is more challenging. It's a little more time-consuming. Those are the, the two downsides, if you will. But I, I just love having the freedom that you have, getting to use an extra dimension of strategy. We'll discuss a lot of that here. Um, and having an active role in dis- in in playing the direction of your draft, there's a lot to like with auctions for sure. There's more strategy involved too in auctions, and I think that's a part that, of course, I've been sitting here doing a lot of different mock drafts uh, and a lot of different best ball leagues in particular, leading up to the fantasy season. So you have an idea and strategy that you want to do for snake draft leagues, but there's a different element altogether strategy wise when you're talking an auction league, and I think you can probably identify that more than I can. Mm-hmm. But I think like. In specifically this season, I feel like I actually want to pay up for a running back, but you can go a myriad of different ways at this point with an auction strategy. Exactly. So I serve as the MMA editor here as well. And one expression that I think really applies in this situation, it applies to kind of game planning for a fight. Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? So you're going, so you're going to uh, you're going to enter this auction draft uh, with a plan. You're going to say, I want to allocate this much of my money towards receivers, this much towards running backs. I'm going to get a cheap quarterback in this tier. I'm going to go a middle tier tight end. You know, you can you can lay out all that strategy as much as you want, but you need to come into that auction 100% prepared to deviate from that plan. There's always going to be values that pop up. Uh, sometimes there's going to be a bidding war on one of your targets that suddenly he gets way priced out. So there's a lot of uh, different, so you say you come in, you want to do stars and scrubs with elite wide receivers, but a running back will, uh, 
the price is just way below what you spec him out as. You kind of have to jump on those opportunities if you want to have uh, the most successful team from top to bottom. You know, you want to find value uh, wherever you can in auctions. Uh, one thing I like to mention is, uh, you know, the best values a lot of times pop up early in auctions. There's a first mover advantage if you're, if you're in marketing out there uh, for being the first to a position group. Usually, uh, you know, people haven't had a chance to balance out and project everyone. So someone might throw out Kamara or David Johnson right away and they'll go cheaper than the next set of running backs, at least in relative terms. Uh, and the opposite side of that, there's uh, you don't want to be stuck as the last person in a bidding war for the last player in a tier. So I think that example is best illustrated with tight ends this season. If uh, if Kelsey and Ertz and Kittle are all off the board, um, OJ Howard's going to go for a premium because in my opinion, the drop off after Howard, uh, it becomes massive. So someone might end up uh, paying as much for Howard as they did for Kittle or even more just because they don't want to be stuck without that top group of tight ends. So you're going to get into bidding wars there. Joe, the only thing that's worse than getting caught in a bidding war is leaving money on the table at the end of the, at the end of the auction. So that's one thing you don't want to do either, but there's, um, but so, so there's unique strategy, basically, is what I'm saying, and you have to adapt as you go along. I was guilty of that faux pas last year, in large part for the stake league, because I had to use the bathroom in the worst way. Like that ends up being mm-hmm. like a two and a half, three hour draft, and they will build in time to go to the bathroom. But you know, Mother Nature sometimes doesn't always accommodate mm-hmm. for that specific time frame. So I think I left like six dollars on the table in the stake league draft last year, and I was mm-hmm. I was frustrated because I really wanted a tight end. You really brought up a good point specifically for that tight end position. And again, you can you can move this to quarterback, which I don't think is as big of a deal this year, but mm-hmm. specifically running back too. There running are different, back's big, yeah. There are different tiers, right? And mm-hmm. you want to spend a certain amount of money on different tiered players overall. That tight end spot, there's a top three, but you could see a four or five or Hunter Henry who's kind of going around that range as the fourth or fifth tight end get priced up to the point where it doesn't make a lot of sense. Getting to be first at a position tier whether it's tight end, running back, wide receiver, is almost as important as getting the correct money, I feel like, at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. First mover advantage. I'll I'll do the example with running backs this year. So consensus, I will say Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara are your top four. Um, You might have to pay as much for Kamara as you would uh, Ezekiel Elliott because he's the last one in that tier going off. So tier-based drafting is definitely important in your your auction draft prep. I don't have a ton of uh, content prep for this show on tier-based. I'm kind of we're going to talk about how we get values and then how to conduct yourself within an auction. But uh, tiering uh, your players is definitely a good idea to recognize when the last person in the tier is available and to try to move, if you're not the first person to move in the tier, to try to move at least a player or two behind that last person. But sometimes that effect will go to the last couple guys in the tier. You're listening to the NFL Rotowire football podcast now because you're getting prepared for the NFL season. So really, the first thing I'd suggest for a lot of people is to work on tiering, whether this is auction or snake, mm-hmm. figuring out where you're comfortable in the values that lie is a specific strategy that you need to start doing now, not mid-August, not end of mm-hmm. August, not a day before your draft. Now, tiering those running back spots. And I think that's especially important in an auction format. Trying to figure out where you can budget the money for each position mm-hmm. is a big deal. Again, we have our own specific strategies for what we want to do this season. But overall, I think budgeting your money at different positions is probably a premium in an auction format. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're uh, so if you're listening to this podcast now, you're already ahead of the game. We've got plenty yes. of <laughs> we've got plenty of tools on rotowire.com to help you out if you are a little bit late to the game and need some auction values generated for you. Um, but I thought on this show, this would be a good time to maybe go through and uh, kind of talk about how we go about generating these lists. You, you look at lists on all these different websites. Um, you know, you can get it for free. If you're a subscriber to Rotowire, of course, you can check out our values. Um, but there's a formula that goes into that. Do you think now's a good time to get into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, specifically, VORP. As, and I feel like that's a word mm-hmm. that I only hear talking about baseball. And that yes. freaks me out because any analogy mm-hmm. or four-letter word uh, when it comes to baseball, I guess acronym, four-number acronym, yeah. is going to be always terrifying for me as a guy that's primarily NFL. But in this case, I think it's important to kind of see how it all translates Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. So the concept I want to explain is VORP or VORP, value above replacement player. Like you said, kind of got its origination (laughs) in baseball, money ball, you know, Billy Bean, the A's, that kind of thing. But there's a clear application to fantasy. And I'm going to try to explain this as well. And to be clear, this is different from things like Vona, value over next available, uh, Vols, value over last starter, and then just general value-based drafting is where you try to go with this eventually. So there are a lot of other acronyms out there, but I'm going to try to take it from the top and explain how people get to the auction values you're seeing on a type of cheat sheet. And really, Joe, 
it all starts with projections here. You have to have a projection set first. And I don't want to make this whole explanation a plug for Rotowire tools, but we no, do. go ahead. We're company people. It's exactly, fine. exactly. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is uh, I'm going to teach you how to do this yourself. That's really what I'm going to do. So maybe that's not such a company thing. But uh, but we, if you are confused about any of this or need assistance along the way, uh, Rotowire does have all the tools to help you make this. But anyway. To start with auction values, you need to have projection sets because you need to come up with a number for total fantasy points. And you need to do this for, you know, if you're a 12-team league that drafts 15 players, generally I'd say it's a good idea to do it for at least the top 200 players. Now, uh, the most serious fantasy players in the in the biggest money leagues are going to go through player by player, determine their projections uh, for them, and, and adjust accordingly. Um, that is a tall, tall, time-consuming tasks. So we do have projection sets for you on rotowire.com that are pretty helpful. But it all starts with basically a projection set because you need to get a number next to every player on your spreadsheet for total fantasy points, okay? Once you have that, we need to determine where... So I said value over replacement player. Where is that line? Where is What is replacement level? Uh, this is often the hardest part in doing this kind of thing. So, uh, for example, you have a 12-team league, starts two running backs, three receivers, and a flex. Uh, you want to figure out your value over replacement player for wide receivers. All right, So you take three receivers times 12 teams. That's 36 to start with. But you would say about half of those uh, flex spots are going to be occupied by a wide receiver. That bumps it up a little bit. You know, depending on your bench spots, you're going to know the the intricacies of your league better than I will speaking in general terms. But generally, one or two of those bench spots is going to be a wide receiver as well. That'll land us somewhere between 55 and 65, where you draw the line for the replacement level player. And you'll do that similarly to uh, for the other positions. Does everybody in your league insist on taking a backup quarterback? That might play into your replacement level calculations, but uh, you essentially need to draw that line somewhere. Now you have the line, the replacement level line, and now you have a projection for all these players. So now you need to calculate what VORP is for every single player in the next column on your spreadsheet. And what all, all that is, is you take the replacement level player, where that line is their fantasy points. So say, for example, we're doing Saquon Barkley and we have him projected to score 382 fantasy points on the year. The line where we draw replacement level is 156. Saquon Barkley's VORP would be 226. It's his value over replacement player. And you need to go through and calculate that for every single player on your list. All right. Every, every, following everything so far, I got a couple more steps and then we're done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they told me I wouldn't have to do math for this mm-hmm. podcast, but I'm already failing at that. Yep. I, you seem to have it down and I hope the audience <laughs> does as well. Exactly. I do want to point out that, again, it's your settings. You can discover the replacement level backs and what their stats are, or even any other position. Mm-hmm. Based off of your settings, we're just kind of going off an example yeah. of what we have currently for yeah. Rotowire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And on Rotowire, you can type in your league settings and you, we can, you can export a spreadsheet that has total fantasy points on it. If you have you know extra points for long passes or those kind of things, you definitely want right. to include those types of things in a little bit. And that that just makes the process of self-projecting easier if that's something that you want to do. But okay, so you got a column in your spreadsheet here for the the value above replacement player, value over replacement player um, for the entire sheet. Now what you need to do is uh, we need to calculate the dollar per per VORP. Um, And what that is, is you take the total number of budget available in the league. So 12 teams, $200, that's kind of our default. You're going to take $2,400 and you're going to divide it by um, the sum of all those VORP points that you have. Everybody with a positive VORP uh, above that replacement line, you want to add that up, take 2,400 divided by that number, and then you're going to get a coefficient that you can use in your spreadsheet. Um, the initial one I did with that Saquon Barkley example, my coefficient was about 0.3533. And then all you need to do is you need to take that number, multiply it by that, that VORP, the, uh, the fantasy points projected minus replacement level fantasy points, and you'll get a dollar value. And there you go. And then you have your dollar value set for the whole year. Um, so Saquon Barkley using, I'll, I'll stick to his example, um, with the Roto-Wire projections for this particular league, I've got him priced out at about seventy nine eighty five. Personally, that's a little bit high for the top player, but it's nothing that I haven't seen before in an auction. And uh, again, you have to keep in mind that it's his uh, entire he needs to fulfill 100% of his projection to get 79 in value. You know, every game that he misses, you know, hypothetically, that would decrease a little bit and that and it would be kind of dispersed to the rest of the player pool. So that's the general rundown on how we'll calculate that value, how, you, you know, it's not the exact formula we use. There's a couple of intricacies we use for value-based drafting, but I wanted to keep it in its simplest terms as to how sites and our, including ourselves come up with the auction value suggestions and, and possibly give you a chance to do it on your own so if i glossed over any of that too fast um or was unclear on anything or maybe who knows heck maybe i made a mistake 
unlikely but uh <laughs> but just get after me on twitter jakeski52 uh i'll help you out and i'll help you out with the spreadsheet for your league i'm happy to do that for our listeners see and i was going to plug your twitter too so you already did that perfectly i'm curious and maybe we'll get more uh into this conversation or this question in particular as we continue throughout the podcast but is there any times where you feel like you absolutely have to go above uh the projected price when you are on VORP or is it more of a, mm-hmm. again, we talk about strategy, entering the auction draft, super important. That's where you're deviating and taking that punch and then figuring out what to do next. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So a lot of a lot of auction values or a lot of auctions that I've been in, there's a lot of inflation towards the very top tier of players. So you might pay over 60 bucks for a couple of receivers. You might pay over 60 bucks for a couple of running backs and you'll make it up by getting value later on in the draft. You, you know, I have, I have these sheets and I like to talk about it like a pirate's code. If you've ever seen uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, they're not rules. They're more like guidelines, guidelines right? Yes. Exactly. So, uh, so pirates code with the auction values here. You you can't you can't go in and say, Le'Veon Bell is priced at fifty one twenty nine. I'm not going to bid a penny more than fifty two. If you want Le'Veon Bell, you have to be ready to go fifty six, fifty seven. Say again, and this is the two hundred dollar budget example. Um, so you do need to be flexible because you're going to note. You might notice that the first ten players off the board uh, went higher than what you projected, and that'll happen in some drafts because you know. But you still have to get one of your studs here to be competitive. If you hold out too long going in that with that balanced lineup approach, you might end up with money on the table, and that's not the guy that you want to be. So again, you do need to adapt a little bit, but these are definitely good guidelines. And trust me, once you get to the middle tier, you're going to start identifying a ton of values, but you don't want to be the guy that missed out on that $60 player at the beginning and then have a lineup full of 15 dollar players because yeah you might make the playoffs but you're not going to win you talk about stake league where we have uh you know the seven people are eaters seven people are buyers they have to buy the bill uh if you try to go with that balanced approach sure you might be an eater you'll be teetering but are you going to win the league probably not yeah and i agree with you entirely on that facet normally i think spending the money i feel comfortable knowing what values are what by the time I've we do the stake league in particular, it's come towards the end of August. We've done a lot of different drafts, we're able to compare and contrast the two prices to other players, but being able to construct your actual own rankings and then where you want to uh, go with based off of VORP is a huge factor that really I don't know if a lot of people, even within stake league itself mm-hmm. and in the industry, are really kind of balancing off it. So that's kind of how you construct VORP. We'll get into more uh, auction value strategies in particular, and this is the one thing I feel confident in auction league is the nomination strategy. There is particular ways to do that, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that after the break. First, let's talk about one of our partners, Superdraft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mode, Multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, and NBA, NHL, and PGA so you can enjoy the best of all DFS all year round. Sign up for Superdraft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in Supercash and a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or play at superdraft.io. Superdraft, no limits, more winning. All right, so I talked about the nom- nomination strategy before we got our read there. I do like that part, and I think that, again, is a different element of strategy that we don't normally discuss when we're, we're talking about mm-hmm. auction itself. There's a certain way you want to go about it, whether you're going after players you definitely don't want, putting the money out there first, nominating big guys. What is the strategy that you use in particular in mm-hmm. auction format? Okay, so before I go into that, I want to take one small step back here for those users listening to this that are new to auctions, because I think that's a lot of what this show is targeted for. Um, in an auction, it doesn't the the draft room doesn't just nominate players from top to bottom on, on their cheat sheet, yes. okay? What happens is... There's an order of owners, kind of like a snake draft, except instead of making a pick, you nominate a player to be auctioned off. Now, it's typically common to see, you know, the top guys go off first. So, you know, the first 10 nominations are probably going to feature Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and Christian McCaffrey, you know, that big four that we're always talking about. But then... It can deviate as much as uh, as much as you want. So, uh, and there's definitely a strategy here to when you nominate a player. Uh, personally, I like to try to get people's money off the board early. Yes. So I'll generally like if I'm using my our draft software, I'll mark off the bus ahead of time. A lot of some people have their don't draft lists. Um, you know, so I mean, there's guys like you know, say Lashawn McCoy that's going to be on a lot of people's don't draft list. That's not really going going to uh, bleed the money out from other owners, but. Say Kenny maybe, Drake, He's yeah, my favorite guy right of this. Exactly. Season. See, and you might want to you might want to wait a little bit on this. See, I'll think of a, a personal example for me is I'm not too crazy about Le'Veon Bell. I know the touches are there, but the um, 
but the Jets, that, that whole offense, I don't, I'm not sold on it quite yet. Nor Adam Gase. Should you be sold on it? Yeah, either, yeah exactly. That, you know, that the Adam Gase thing comes up quite a bit. He can, he's done okay things for quarterbacks before, but not, you know, we'll see what happens with the running backs here. Bell's 27 years old. And with that volume of touches, in theory, he should be pretty good. So he's getting, you know, put in the top 10, sometimes even top five by some of these guys. You know, I, we can do a whole, a whole other show on, on our don't draft players. Maybe we'll catch that in the future. I just personally have a hard time believing that with uh, the lifestyle that a player of his means lives often entire year, suddenly he's going to come back and he's going to be in perfect game shape and ready to go. Um, so there's a, there's some narrative there. And then there's some, you know, personnel decisions and coaching decisions around him that make me think that he might not, he's not going to live up to where he's ranked here. So if you say you're like me and you feel that way about Le'Veon Bell, well, I'm looking at the uh, 12 team auction values for Le'Veon Bell right now um I've get, it's got him right now at 51.29 for a $200 budget so a pretty big player because you're going to have to pay that type of premium He's a player that I would nominate on my first time through. I want to get him off the board, and I want another owner to spend $50, $55, maybe $60 on him um, because that's you know $50 that's no longer in the pool that another owner doesn't have, and I'm going to be less likely to bid with that owner for one of the top tier of players that I actually do want. So for the first four or five, sometimes more times through, I like to nominate players I do not want. Now, you do have to be careful with this a little bit because of the early auction value that I mentioned before. Sometimes I'll nominate a player I think I don't want, but everybody else is on that same uh, on that same train of thought, and you end up getting them at such a bargain. There is technically a price I will pay for everyone. If Le'Veon Bell is nominated and he's sitting there at $32, yeah. then I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to hit the bid button, even though I didn't want this player. But I'd rather see someone else you know, blow their wad and spend $55 on him. But if he's still there for $32, I'll get him. That's why you have to be flexible with an auction here. If I can get Le'Veon Bell for $32, I'd be like, cool. But I'm never going to, I'm not going to touch him at anything where his current price is about 52. So that's generally how I do it. I nominate guys I don't like. I know I just gave away my stake league strategy for you, but are you on board with that, Joe? Oh, 100%. I do the same thing. I actually go even more refined in that thought process. And you brought it up earlier in the podcast, and I think it's worth reiterating now. After those top three tight ends, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, there's a lot of question mark, shrug your shoulder type of guys that you can either talk yourself into or talk yourself out of. I like to waste roster spots of my uh, like my other league mates in an auction format. So I'll specifically go ahead and nominate three or four tight ends in a row when I am going up there mm-hmm. in order to get them off the board. I know when it comes to that tight end position, particularly this year, there's probably seven guys that I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. But why don't I get the other people to spend money on those first six guys, mm-hmm. and I'll get the seventh player overall that I feel comfortable with. That's that's one of the few times where getting the last band or last player in particular, I'm fine with, especially when I'm nominating a specific position to make others use that roster space. Have you ever thought of that or kind of use that? Yeah, same exactly. In that same vein, let's say you do go out and you pay. You know, we priced Travis Kelsey out in a 12 team at about 37. Now, some might think that's too high for a tight end. Um, you know, I guess we'll wait and see. But say I went out, went out and uh, purchased Travis Kelsey already for you know thirty five dollars. Uh, my next nomination coming back to me, I might go ahead and nominate Zach. Zach Ertz or George Kittle, because I know I'm not going to buy that person. No person in their right mind is going to allocate $60 towards tight end, even if you are in a tight end flex league, but somebody else is going to lose $30 of their money. So that, you know, you, it's part of the strategy of helping bleed other owners out and, and make you more competitive once you get to that middle tier that you want to be aggressive in. And kind of in that same vein, you know, we're up here in Wisconsin and we'll do a lot of hometown auctions leagues Mm -hmm. with some big time Packer fans. Now, um, Aaron Jones, who we price out around $37, $38 this year, I think that's about adequate. But in a Wisconsin league up here, you know, you're going to have to pay, I'd say, at least 45 to get him in your auction. People are very high on him out here. He's not flying under anybody's radar. Very good player. I like him a lot. I, I almost like him over Leonard Fournette, but that's kind of where I draw the line. That's a, that's a, uh, a discussion to be had for another day. But uh, – Nominate your hometown guys that you know someone's going. There's always someone in a Wisconsin league, especially if I'm just playing with friends and not industry guys, that's going to go, I'm going to keep pushing up on Aaron Rodgers no matter what price he costs because I'm going to buy him. I'm going to own him on your team. And you get two people thinking that way. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is off the board for $45, and that's twice as much as any quarterback, period, should be in a standard 12-team auction. So, um, you know, I don't get a lot of my hometown guys in that league, unfortunately, but I'll get some of them in in some of the industry leagues instead. So that's another 
aspect about that. Nominate guys maybe you don't need to bleed other owners or nominate guys you know will be overvalued in your particular league setting. So a couple couple things to think about. Now, well, for you— I was going to say, a lot of people ask me, what's the big thing about fantasy football leagues that I need to know? Like if I'm coming into it, and I always tell them, knowing your league— and knowing your league mates are the two most important factors in being successful in anything. You brought up a specific point, and I, I'll uh, find like, I'll go through a specific example. I've been fortunate or unfortunate, however you want to look at it, to be in a lot of different leagues with Chris Liss over the past three or four years. Justin Tucker is a guy that I will automatically throw out there knowing he will get Justin Tucker whatever price, and you can generally get by with bumping up $1 or $2 where Liss mm-hmm. has got a $5 kicker who, will be able to, who he will be able to talk himself yeah. into. Knowing your league mates and knowing who they're high on, whether it be Packer fans or uh, I know we have a lot of different Dallas listeners in particular, guys like Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott where you can get that extra money in there, that's a huge bit of yeah. uh, big deal that you can enter the auction draft with. That's one aspect that we didn't actually put on our outline here, but I wanted to touch on. How ballsy are you uh, about upbidding other owners? They're guys that maybe you don't want so much, but you think that price is too low, so you'll do what's called price enforcing, and you'll make that other... You know this. You know that you know whoever is, is super high on Saquon Barkley because he's a Giants fan. Right. You want to keep upbidding him because he's about to go for $65, and that's way too low. Maybe you don't want him, but you can convince that other owner to pay five or six extra dollars for him, and in that case, it's a success, but it is such a dangerous game to play. You have to make sure that you're at least a little bit okay with that price being paid. That's funny. I was going to ask you that specific question as well. Uh, I had that happen to me last year in Stake League. I was incredibly high on JJ. I had been writing probably four or five articles. It felt like a week on how I thought he was going to do really well. He was a 20. You and Dolphins running backs, man. Well, yeah, but he was on the Eagles last year too. And I thought for sure that was going to end up working out. Uh, It didn't, of course. Obviously, history has made sure to make fun of me uh, ad nauseum for that. But I got bit up to the point where I was almost where I didn't want to go for him. But yet I had identified him earlier, Mm -hmm. at least entering the draft, as my number two running back. And I ended up paying probably $5 more than I want to. Other league mates in mm-hmm. Stake League in particular had identified that as a place where they could push yeah. me up. And I'm curious, how often do you really choose to do that? Are there particular instances where you feel comfortable doing it? Or is it do you have to kind of uh, get your feet wet in the league first before you mm-hmm. really want to dive into that aspect? Yeah, well, that's, that's tough. If you're convincing all your league mates to do an auction for the first time, uh, you probably have to be the one that's going to price enforce in that league. You can't let someone walk away with uh, – with a $15 Joe Mixon or right. something like that because everyone's like trigger hesitant. And and because if you let someone walk away with a value like that, then you're going to be stuck in a bidding war for the last in that, in that tier. So you definitely have to price and force to a degree. Um, but there gets to be a point, especially at the end when you're sweating, you do have to be okay with having those guys. So um, in in that case, like the Le'Veon Bell example I mentioned earlier, if he's $34, $35, I'll price and force right up or two around maybe the $40, $45 point because – I don't think that I'll get him at that price. But once I once it starts to be 49, 50, 51, then I'm probably going to stop price enforcing because before I know it, I'll be stuck with him. So the player you don't really want. Yes, exactly. It's a dangerous game. And I definitely do a lot of price enforcing. And the default for a lot of draft rooms is the player gets thrown out at $1 and people bid a dollar at a time. If someone bids... Saquon Barkley at $1. I'm not going to sit there and wait around for 78 different bids to be made. I'm going to go ahead and just type 50 in the box and go. And that'll keep the auction moving. That'll take care of some of the time concerns that people have with auctions. So yes, I do price and force to a certain degree. Um, but there are times where you know you, you got to get up and walk around a little bit, or you can't be super stringent with everybody. But um, especially if there's another owner that I view as particularly competitive, and he's about to walk away with a steal, I'll price and force a little bit. I, I know that we've kind of been doing an introductory auction draft strategy for this particular podcast, but I think it is really important to discuss how you're trying to bid up or, or really price enforce somebody else. If there's one thing I've learned from Stake League, it's price enforcing and to what extent. Like you might go, the, the, well, you talked about the general strategies. You put a player out for $1 and you just try to get the value. I've seen a lot of experts in particular go like, uh, let's say, so Kenny Drake for $35. When that might not be at all where he would have landed up anyway. So you have to be careful if mm-hmm. you are throwing out that number. That being said, don't be the person who every single time goes ahead and puts Le'Veon Bell for a dollar or Saquon Barkley up for a dollar. Mm-hmm. It's going to get to 50 or 60. Stop pretending like you're going to get some sort of crazy value on it. Let's just speed up the process for every single person in the auction draft and make sure you're getting at least close to where the appropriate price could be. Exactly. Uh, so kind of on that note, you did mention this when you were describing that is uh, $1 players, $1 targets, dollar days at the end of an auction. That's a very important aspect uh, to consider in your 
strategy. You know, there's going to be like the first couple rounds of a snake draft when your guys are going off. You're going to get through the middle tier, and then you're going to get to the end when owners start running out of money, and you know the auction draft's not going to let you bid more than what your budget is, and you have to fill out three or four one dollar players on your roster. That's when the nomination strategy changes, and you need to start making sure um, th- that uh, other owners and you start. Excuse me, you have to start monitoring the budgets of other owners because the nomination strategy might change a little bit. You know, there's, there's a hometown league I do uh, with a lot of friends where if I get to dollar days and other people have money, they'll not let me have anybody for a dollar because they think I know what I'm doing and uh, they want to kind of block me from that. So the first couple players I'll nominate in dollar days are guys that I don't want that some other owners just going to kind of follow in my footsteps and pay two or three dollars for. Uh, you want to save the dollar targets you truly want for the very end of the auction. You can't wait too long um, because someone else might snatch them. But uh, like if you and the other aspect of that is say you only have two, three dollars left and you have one roster spot, nominate that person at two, three dollars instead of nominating them at one dollar. Because if you nominate them for one dollar they're only that only opens the door for them to get swiped for by, by somebody else so if you, you use all your money in the auction is is, is the refrain i'm kind of getting at but yeah the nomination strategy starts to shift definitely a little bit when you get towards dollar days at the end i call that the james anderson effect and not because of what he does but actually any league that i'm in with him in an auction format whether it be nba or uh, mlb any baseball especially yes dude. i'm just like all right yeah james is in on this guy i'm gonna go for two dollars mm-hmm. so i'm sure he probably does the same thing that you do to your league mates back home mm-hmm. where you're like all right i'll just so this guy I really don't want. Yeah. And I've definitely played a fool on more than one occasion on the James Anderson effect. Yeah. But uh, I want to talk about actually constructing your lineup. Again, we're not really going over specific players, although I hate Kenny and Drake, and I will continue to say that over and over again. How do you want to do your lineup based off of stars, scrubs, $15 players, $30 players? What What's kind of your overall general mm-hmm. strategy in an auction format like this? Yeah, there's two ways to look at this. So you can go into this and say you want to have a balanced team. You want every position on your roster to be strong. And that's going to involve a lot of $15 to $25 players. And you're going to have a decent team, but you're going to miss up out on that big tier. You're not going to get Barkley, Z, Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. You probably won't even get David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Nick Chubb, James Conner, DeAndre Hopkins, those type of guys. Uh, but what you will have is you'll have a strong, uh, you'll have a strong option at each uh, position. And that's good. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But when you do that strategy, you do need to be careful that you're spending enough money early. Because if you don't blow 60 on one of those studs right away, um, there's a chance that you're left leaving money at the table. All of a sudden, the prices uh, deflate a whole bunch. And guys that you originally were saving $15 for, you'll, able, you're, you'll be able to get for 6 7 $8. And suddenly, you've got all this money left on the table and not enough talent to match it. So that's the game that you have to be careful with if you're going to go for a balanced team. And theoretically, you, know, you do want to have a balanced team. But there's another strategy to look at this and that's kind of if you're going for broke you're not just shooting to be an eater in stake league you're shooting to win the damn thing and you're shooting to uh you know or if you're i don't know say if it's an nfc auction you're shooting for that main event top prize that happens a lot with baseball as opposed to football but you go with the stars and scrubs approach so you can go out you do have a 200 dollars budget after all so say you go out spend 75 dollars on saquon barkley then you spend $60 on Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, there's $135 just right there. And then say, whoops, I think I'm going to go ahead and spend 40 bucks on, I don't know, I'm trying to look at Stephon an example. Stephon Diggs probably yeah. around that. Yeah, exactly. Too. So, And then you throw $30 on Stephon Diggs. But then guess what? You're just about out of money, and you have to fill your roster with $1 players. So this is something that if you go into the draft knowing that's what you're going to do, you're going to get both of the studs. You're going to pay to have two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and then a bunch of 12th through 14th-round picks. That's how it has to go. You need to prepare yourself a little bit more for that type of strategy and start identifying $1 players exactly. at the end of the draft. You want to have a list. You want to you know, you sit right around that replacement line, and it's not necessarily that you don't draft anyone below that because you might not agree 100% with the projection sets you're using because there will be players with negative value that will get taken at auction. It's inevitable. That happens because everyone rates players differently. But what you want to do is you want to probably have a list of at least 20 to 25 one dollar players guys that are just teetering around that replacement line that are a a few dollars above and a few dollars below zero dollars that you can target for one dollar players at the end of your draft and the reason i say 20 to 25 when you only have you know a roster of i don't know maybe 15 players is because people are going to poach those you might think that the guy's a one dollar player but an owner with two three dollars left on the board is going to poach that guy from you so uh definitely if you're going to go with the stars and scrubs approach you have to have your one dollar players played out 
Yeah, and I think it also matters depth and how many roster spots are you have available. I, like if you've talked, we've, we've both talked about Stakely quite a bit. I don't feel like that format of having a bunch of twenty plus or twenty dollar guys is really as effective when there's only five bench spot or five bench slots mm-hmm. in a format like Stake League. And I think there are other leagues like that too, where you have to account for how many lineup spots and how many are starting uh, compared to your overall roster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, uh, you definitely don't want to be the guy that has four fifteen dollar players on their bench too, because right. you, you can't start them all. You know, maybe if it's a best ball league that plays season long, I don't know a ton of, of those like that. You know, you could consider changing your strategy as such. But uh, I'm a big proponent of spending maybe 80 to 90 percent of your budget on your starting lineup. You can figure the rest out later. Now, the only reason you wouldn't want to do that is if you take maybe a Kareem Hunt that you know you won't have be available, then maybe he can sit on your bench. He'll end up being an eight to twelve dollar player tops you know we'll see i did that with mark ingram last year knew he was going to miss the first four games but i still spent 22 dollars on him knowing i'll be able to uh i think i ended up getting chris carson later in that auction because i figured he'd lose his job down the stretch but he'd be good early so i kind of balanced the team in that direction i'll be good covered for the first four weeks and then i'll get mark ingram back and be able to go from there so uh you know there's a situation there but yeah if you have uh if your five bench spots uh, cost you $50, $55, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I agree. And, and Jake kind of foreshadowed it, but we'll talk about inflation after this word from our sponsor, FancyDraft.com. FancyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fancy? Did you know that over over time, these fees, called Rake, can cost Daily Fancy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fancy sites continue to raise Rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change is coming. Starting in July, FancyDraft.com is changing the game by bringing you rake-free daily fancy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite contest without, contest without paying any rake. On Fancy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contest rake-free on Fancy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is a truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and be the first to know when the rake-free revolution begins. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. I tease the inflation part. You tease the inflation part. How important is it when you've been doing an auction league for a couple of years, and I'm sure the listeners who are tuning into this are probably taking into account uh, inflation and the rise of that throughout each season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so inflation is kind of the term that we put for prices changing based on players that are going off the board and what price they're paid. Um, it, t- it goes into account a little bit in your standard redraft league. We have this feature on our draft software, again, if you want to use it, because it's really hard to calculate this manually live during your auction. But basically what happens is, say you price, I'll try to do this with player examples, say you price Ezekiel Elliott out at $55. Well, say he goes for or $65. Let's say he goes for $52. There's $13 extra available for the whole league to spend on the same caliber pool of talent that is left. So as a result, everybody's price will increase by a couple of cents. It, uh, it It's very small, the effect of one player, but if you take five guys off the board at values $10, $15 less than they're projected, um, then everybody else's price in that middle tier and the rest of the top tier is going to inflate. Uh, a little bit now the same thing goes vice versa if you have zeke priced at 65 and someone goes out and pays 75 for him everybody else's prices on your player list is going to decrease ever so slightly because there's less money available for the for the owners as a whole for the same player pool talent um so this is again the the effect is minuscule in redraft leagues but it really comes into play in keeper leagues where you get guys like one year i had a $2 david johnson during his rookie year and the next year he was priced out at you know 50 55 dollars or um I'm still hanging on to Travis Kelsey in a keeper league for $21 when he's priced out around 37 this year. So what happens is, say every owner gets to keep two keepers, all right, and there's a lot more money available for a smaller pool of talent. And this is a way that you can really dominate your keeper league, especially in your second year overall, um, because the prices for these guys that are left is going to inflate way, way a whole lot. And anybody looking at just the generic auction value price list is going to be behind the game. So um, say somebody had to throw Elvin Kamara back because they've exhausted their keeper limits. Maybe that's a bad example. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins, you know, you've exhausted your keeper limits on DeAndre Hopkins. The standard list prices them out around $45. Um, but because of inflation, 
you could easily rationalize paying 60 65 $70 for DeAndre Hopkins because you've saved so much money by keeping players at a value. So that's where inflation comes into play. And this uh, one of my favorite things I like to do in our draft software is enter in all the keepers beforehand and then run the inflation calculation once. So I'm already going into my draft with much better, more accurate values based on the amount of money that's out there for this pool of talent in the draft. And this is one of the biggest things that you can do, especially in keeper leagues, is monitor that inflation. I hear that a lot uh, with the radio listeners when I'll do call-ins or even on SiriusXM too. Well, oh, I have DeAndre Hopkins at $45 currently, and that's a great deal for mm-hmm. a receiver his caliber. But then you go into the keeper league or auction draft uh, where players have been kept, and they're like, all right, do I take T.Y. Hilton at $55? Oh, he's like $10 more than DeAndre Hopkins. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Well, that's not necessarily the case. It really, you have to take into account the inflation and the extra money that's available, not with you yourself, but also around the league and then the talent that's available. Mm-hmm. And I think, would you say that using the software or any sort of software is probably the best way to do that? Or is there other techniques that you use to mm-hmm. avoid falling into the kind of trap? Man, I'll have to tweet this out, but I wrote an article on exactly how to calculate inflation for the site a couple years back because uh, we used to only use inflation in our baseball software products. Yes. And one of the things that I, w- I work in a lot of product development, one of the things I was like, you know what? Fantasy football is still more popular. And I think this could be useful, especially based on my own experience in auction leagues. So I got the inflation feature into our football software. And now that's a thing that we offer um, when you're keeping track of your draft. Uh, but otherwise, there is an article. I have to tweet it. I uh, It came out a couple years back for just how to calculate it manually. You take you know the amount of, it has to do with taking the amount of money that, that is available and then the value that has been kept. So you take all that money that has been kept and then you factor it into your equation for, for when you price out players. And then you can find kind of an, you know, I mentioned that VORP, that dollar per VORP coefficient. There's another coefficient that you can calculate based on inflation and you can increase the values of all players at this position group by, you know, a certain percentage based on how much value is kept. So you can do it that way or you can just have the software do it for you. That's a lot easier <laughs> than hearing me talk about math. Um, exactly. Or you do, or avoiding all the acronyms. That's why I just want to stay away from all that stuff. Yeah, yes, exactly. So uh, definitely in a keeper league, inflation is important, but I do like it in I like it for redraft leagues. I like to use that more in baseball because there's a lot more roster spots to sure. use um, and, and the effects can be there. But you'll start to see uh, player prices go down a little bit and you, you need to update inflation regularly. So depending on how it goes, if there's a big time premium for the top 15 players, if all of them go $10, $15 above where you're projected, then... I mean, all the other players' prices need to go down. All of a sudden, those guys that you priced out at $15 are going to be going for $8, $9 in auction. And that's one of the reasons you have to be careful about leaving money on the table if you're going to decide to pass on one of those studs. If you want to make an entire team composed of third through fifth round picks, you can do that. But uh, you know, you might not get as much value because they'll be going for less than they originally were priced out at because the other owners spent more of their money than they had anticipated. I'm curious to read that article. I'm, uh, of course, a company man, but I can't say I've been reading articles three, four years back. So definitely I'll be mm-hmm. interested in following uh, at Jake Ski 52s Twitter account to see the article. It'll probably post, I would imagine, right around when this podcast actually goes up on the site. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but this, I thought this was a really good auction discussion overall. If the listeners are interested, we can get into some actual guys that will target maybe next week or mm-hmm. uh, throughout the fantasy draft season. I'm sure many of our colleagues that are doing podcasts Monday through Friday will also be talking about different au- auction strategies they have. But this is kind of an introductory jump into things and, mm-hmm. and a view of a wide range of topics that I think we were able to cover. So that does it for us on the Tuesday version of the NFL Rotoware uh, podcast sponsored by Yahoo DFS. Of course, I already well, I already uh, shouted to your Twitter handle, JakeSki52. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports, where we'll get a lot of Ronald Jones hot takes, which I don't know how that's become my thing, but I guess in the Ronald Here Jones we go. Day, which is fine. Uh, and please take an opportunity, if you can, whatever platform you're listening on, to rate and review the RotoWare podcast. It's a huge help to us, and I know it's a, a big deal when it gets to be out there and kind of pushed out more with those ratings and reviews. So we'll have Jeff Erickson and Brad Evans tomorrow as part of the Roulette Wheel of Wednesday NFL RotoWare podcast, and we'll talk to you guys then next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.